our scripture this morning, uh, it, it doesn't, it's not one of the uh, E100 Jesus readings. It, it veers from that, but for good reason, because this morning we're going to talk briefly about baptism. Now, here's a really neat thing. Um, there we go. So the, the passage is the baptism of Jesus. I wanted you to know the image up there, Kyle actually took in Israel of the Jordan River. So as we read this, you're looking at the river where this happened. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we hear your word in the Holy Spirit. We ask for the wisdom to understand it. Amen. So there was a church that was uh, rather patriotic, and in their church foyer, they had pictures of veterans who gave their life in service to their country. So a little boy was out in the foyer one day looking at the pictures, and he looked at his mom and asked, Mom, who are all the people in these pictures? She said, well, son, those are people who died in the service. The boy went pale white and in a squeaky voice said, did they die in the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock? <laughs> you know, being a part of the church is a funny thing, but it's a great thing. The church is the greatest thing the world has ever seen because the church is God's chosen vessel to communicate God's love, God's grace, God's hope, and God's redemption to the entire world. It is to the church that God gave the task of going and telling the nations about the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. And today, we're celebrating these 11 young people who have been almost through an entire school year learning, talking, sharing, seeing what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then they're given the chance to make that commitment. And by the way, they don't have to make this decision. When they sit down in my office and Doug's office, we ask them what decision they're wanting to make. And we tell them, just because you went through the class doesn't mean you have to stand up here. If you're not ready to make the decision to be a disciple of Jesus, that's okay. If you're not ready to be a member of the church, that's okay. We'll support you, whatever decision you make, because it's a big decision. Now, as they came forward, we've seen some be baptized. We've seen others confirmed. Some were confirmed in this service. Some were confirmed in the first service. We're receiving them all into fellowship. We're receiving them all as part of our church. And baptism plays a large role in that. So let me, this is a brief teaching moment. I mentioned earlier in the Methodist church, we affirm all forms, all modes of baptism, as long as there's water and there's the Trinitarian formula, then we affirm that. We also see God's grace working in different ways. 
Some of you may be from a denomination that does not baptize infants. The Methodist Church does. And the baptism of Jesus is the reason why we baptize infants. And it's because of a theological understanding that we have. Let me, let me give you a theological term. The term is prevenient grace. That's the theological term. And prevenient grace simply means the grace that goes before. While their confirmation journey began in particular at the beginning of the school year, their journey with God began well before that. Did you know, have you ever thought, your journey with Christ, my journey with Christ, it doesn't start when we say a prayer. It doesn't start when we go to church. It starts with God. It starts with what Jesus did for us, and it starts with God calling us. Provenient grace means that God is calling each and every one of us. These confirmands, me, you, anyone else in the world. God is calling. So that's why we baptize infants, because in Jesus's baptism, God proclaims his call on Jesus as his father, proclaims Jesus as his son. And when we baptize an infant, we're proclaiming the same thing. God is calling that child. And the parents and the church promise to raise the child to understand that and hopefully one day to respond to it for themselves. And that's what confirmation is about. But baptism can also be a moment of an individual responding to God's grace. Just as two of our confirmants did this morning, they had not been baptized as infants, so they responded on their own today. And let me just throw this out there. Sermon ain't going to be too long. It's only a couple more minutes. But if you're not baptized... If you want to respond to God's grace today, we got the stuff set up for you. We'd be happy to baptize you at the end of this service. You talk to me or Doug, we would love to make that happen. This is a highly appropriate time to do that. But let me tell you some things about baptism quickly. In a few moments, you're going to be invited forward to touch the water and to remember your baptism because remembering is important. And as we look at baptism, as we remember who God is, we remember whose we are, and that's God's. And in doing so, we remember who we are as well. And there's three things I think we should remember as we do so. First, remember that, yes, we're sinners, but we are loved by God. We are sinners, but we are loved by God. You see, we live into this paradox On the one hand, yes, we've sinned. Yes, we can't do anything to redeem ourselves. Yes, we cannot do a single thing to merit God's favor. But God's love remains. God's love is there regardless of your sin or my sin. God's love was there from the beginning, whether or not you've responded, even if you've rejected it a hundred times. God's love for you remains. I love the song choices this morning because they made that point so, so beautifully. So listen to this. In in 2007, I lived in Florida and I bought a house. Okay. You remember the housing market in 2007? You remember the housing market in 2008? And Florida was one of the worst states for that. Over the course of two years, 
After we bought, we had to try and sell. That house depreciated over $75,000. Here's what I learned. I learned a real valuable lesson. Doesn't matter what an appraiser says something's worth. Doesn't matter what a piece of paper says something's worth. You know what anything is only worth? It's only worth what somebody else will pay for it. So I want you to think about this. Jesus paid an inestimable price for you. Jesus paid the highest price possible for you. So what does that say about what you are worth to God? He's already done it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to even get it right. You know what? And I want you to hear this the right way. As Christians, we shouldn't sin. But stopping sinning doesn't make God love you any more. And sinning doesn't make God love you any less. It's not right, and we should repent. But God's love for you is not dependent upon your performance. It depends on God's overwhelming, reckless love. Listen to how Paul puts it in Romans. But God showed his great love for us in that while we We're still sinners. He sent Christ to die for us. God's love for you is not determined by your performance. God's love for you remains. Second thing you should remember, you are claimed by God. So when I went from fifth grade to sixth grade, elementary to middle school, I had a buddy in fifth grade, good friend. We did everything together, you know, worked on the projects, hung out together, did all, played Nintendo together. It was great. Got to sixth grade, hadn't seen him all summer, went up to him in the lunchroom in the first week of school, tried to talk to him. He was with a group of people, pretending like he didn't even know me. But man, middle school is a harsh place. It's a hard time. And there's few things cutting more deeply than having someone you thought was close to you reject you, unclaim you, not want to be associated with you in front of other people. At Jesus' baptism, God claimed Jesus in a loud voice, in an undeniable way, claimed him as his own. In your baptism, God claims you. And God claims you in front of everyone else. That's why we do baptisms publicly, because it's a claim for everyone to see. I want you to hear this this morning. God's not ashamed of you. God's not hiding his face from you. Even if you've been away from home for a long, long time, God claims you. God never unclaims you. As a matter of fact, that's why we remember our baptism. We touch the water and remember we're claimed. And that's why we don't rebaptize, because God has never, ever unclaimed you. And a side note if you can find one person in the New Testament who's baptized twice, come and tell me, because I'd love to see it. God never unclaims you. So you don't have to be rebaptized. All you got to do is turn and take that first step home and God meets you right there. Third and finally, we're called to loving service. God doesn't just claim us to sit idly. Listen to Ephesians 2. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
So track with me for just a second. Before Jesus starts his ministry, he's baptized. Water, right? Jesus' very first miracle in ministry, very first recorded miracle is what? Turning water into wine. Jesus spends some of the last moments with his disciples as a group. And what does he do? He serves them by washing their feet, which involves what? Water. Water is one of the most basic necessities of life. And the baptism comes full circle in that moment. The water was used to claim him. Now the water is used to serve others. My friends, if we are baptized, if we are claimed, and if we respond to the love of God, and yet we do not go and serve others, we are not fulfilling the heart of our baptism. Christ calls all who would follow him to serve others. And the church is the biggest way that God gives us the opportunity to do so. So what we've done is we've sent out these spiritual gifts inventories to see how God has created us. And in the Ephesians passage, we saw that God created us specifically and then made us new in Christ in order to do good things that God already had planned. So if God has these things already planned, then God has us prepared to do them because God doesn't do anything halfway. So you've been designed, you've been created by God to do specific and incredible things. So if you're our guest this morning, you say, I didn't get one of those. There's some out there on that table. You can pick them up as you go. You're welcome to do that. But we also sent you a card and we've asked you to identify your spiritual gifts and then use those gifts to identify the ways you can serve others, the ways that you can love Christ and love your neighbor going forward. And Doug's going to invite you in just a minute to come up and touch the water and remember your baptism. And in doing so, you remember whose you are and you remember who you are. But we're going to ask you to bring those cards if you have them. And after you touch the water to go to either side and lay your cards on the altar rail, you know what the altar is in the Bible? It's a place of sacrifice. It's a place where the divine and humanity meet. So we're going to offer our sacrifice to God, our service. Again, if you didn't bring your card or if you don't have one, there's ones you can pick up. You're welcome to do so. But if we're going to ask our confirmands to support the ministries of the church with their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, and their witness, well, how dare we ask them to do something that we're not going to do? So we invite you to participate in this holy and sacred way. But as you come forward, as you touch the water, before you lay your card, remember, yeah, you're a sinner. Guess what? So is the guy giving you the sermon. So that ain't a reason not to come. You're a sinner, but you're loved by God so much you can't even wrap your head around it. Secondly, remember that God claims you publicly, unashamedly. God's proud to call you his own. Chris, you don't know what I did. No, I don't, but God does, and he still calls you his own. He still calls you his daughter, still calls you his son, and nothing can change that. And finally, we're called for a purpose. We're called to do something, 
this love that's been given to us, we're called to let it shine through into the hearts and lives of others. So in just a minute, Doug's going to invite you forward. And as I said, if you've not been baptized and you'd like to be, it's a perfect morning to do it. If you've not made a profession of faith, you've seen these young people do it. If you've not made a profession of faith, we'd love to walk you through what that looks like. Or if you're not a member of this church, but you'd like to be, you talk to me and Doug. Because it's God's baptism. It's God's church. And everyone is welcome. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.